Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Have you seen the pictures of hundreds and hundreds of planes that would normally be flying us to destinations across the country and around the world, instead parked up in the desert? With international borders reopened and domestic borders not far behind, the airlines are now working to get those planes back into service. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. On behalf of the entire crew, we're very excited to extend a warm welcome on board our first Qantas International flight, soon to take off for the very first time in almost two years. But how easy is it to get back in the air after a plane has spent hundreds of days sitting idle? Today, we look at what it takes to get aircraft back up and running and all the things that maintenance crew have to do to ensure they see us arriving safely at our destinations. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. What is it, 12? It's great to see you back in Australian skies. Welcome to Sydney. Threshold in 290 degrees at 6 knots. Runway 34 left, Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, 34 left, quarter 12. It's, uh, it's great to be back. And uh, yeah, with the, uh, the world up and up again, it's great for Qantas to be coming back to what we do best and uh, yeah, bringing people back together again. Thank you, quarter 12. Earlier this month, Australia's international border reopened for New South Wales and Victoria without the need for passengers to quarantine for the first time in nearly two years. There were teary reunions at Melbourne and Sydney airports, the result of 600 days when nearly all foreigners had been barred from entering the country and millions of Aussies were either stuck overseas or separated from loved ones. I've got young kids here, so glad to be home. I haven't seen them for five weeks, so... Can't wait to get home. It's been really, really hard, and especially since my mum's actually sick, so I'm actually going to be heading straight to the hospital. So this was an impossible flight to get on, and I'm so relieved to be on it. And I'm an Australian citizen, and I haven't been able to go back into my own country, and I've been able to travel to every other country except Australia, and I haven't seen my dad in two years, and now he's very, very sick. So, yeah, it's been hard, but, yeah, we're just happy to be here. It's terrible, man. You can't even see your family. I haven't seen it for a couple of years. This is so great, actually, just get off a plane and walk back out into Melbourne. So thanks to everyone in uh, Victoria for making this possible. And it's not just Australia lowering the drawbridge. As more and more of us get our second COVID jab, more and more countries are welcoming us back as tourists, including Fiji just last week. 
But while the grand reopening of Fortress Australia continues, you might be wondering how the airplanes that have sat idle on the tarmac for 20 months have been so quickly pulled back into action. And the question no one wants to ask, is it safe to fly right now? When the borders snapped shut in March 2020, airlines across the globe were grounded. According to data from flight tracking website FlightRadar24, the number of planes they saw in the air that month dropped from around 180,000 a day to less than 65,000. According to industry researcher Sirium, that left more than 16,000 passenger jets on the ground. In the weeks following the shutdown, airlines scrambled to find parking spaces for those 16,000 planes, which, depending on where the plane is hubbed, the model of aircraft it is, and what it takes to put it in mothballs for an extended period, influences where it may end up. With how flights are usually run, landing, disembarking, refuelling, checking and then back in the air, airports aren't built to store large aircraft for long periods, although some airport runways have since been used as parking spaces. Some planes have been taken to former military bases or freight facilities. Some ended up at boneyards, places where retired planes are stored for their spare parts. And many aircraft found their way to the Australian outback or the Mojave Desert in California and Arizona. Certain types of planes require certain types of specialists. So some airlines gathered their planes by model to make it easier for those tasked with their upkeep. Qantas left more than 200 aircraft on the tarmac at various airports around the country. The airline saying on top of keeping the mechanics of the planes in order, the tyres of all their fleet from the Boeing 737s to the Airbus A380 have to be rotated every one to two weeks, so they have to space them to tow them around or jack them up and spin them in place. Gary Byrne, the head of technical operations at Etihad, starred in this video the airline put out to describe what's gone into keeping their planes up to standard while they're grounded. We have engineers working around the clock maintaining the aircraft. They're a very intricate, uh, complex piece of machinery. It's not like parking a car. We have to keep them maintained. So we will be running engines, powering up the aircraft, checking the flight controls while these aircraft are in the parking mode. Cassie Gorsell is an avionics instructor at Aviation Australia. Cassie, when a plane is in its standard service routine, how long would it usually spend on the ground at any one time? Now, that's dependent, obviously, if it's due for maintenance or not. Now, planes, as you know, fly all the time. They spend more time in the air than they do on the ground, only on the ground if they're due for servicing or if they have defects that need to be rectified Maintenance interval can go anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of months, but usually they spend more time in the air than they do on the ground. So not very long is good for engineers. Why is it that since the pandemic began and we've seen all these planes be grounded, that the majority of them get sent out to desert areas? We've seen them out at Alice Springs or in the Mojave Desert in California. Why the desert? Now, the reason that they sent out to the desert is actually because of the low humidity, which is the dry environment. So we don't want to send them to anywhere where it's humid. One, because they can actually start to corrode and they do need to be maintained a lot more. But we want to send them out to where it's nice and dry. It helps with the preservation checks that we do. Now, I have seen some planes at Sydney Airport, which are parked quite close to the ocean, Will they need to be maintained differently because they're exposed to that salty air? 
I'm actually based up here in Cairns, so similar concept. We're actually based pretty much right on the ocean here. We do actually require to wash our planes a lot, quite regularly, to keep that salt air and salty water off the aircraft because that can actually cause corrosion and actually require more maintenance later on and not getting the prolonged life that we do out of our aircraft. So, yes, they will need to wash the aircraft more regularly and also be more vigilant in the maintenance that we're performing. Can we talk about that maintenance? What actually goes into maintaining a grounded plane over a long period of time? So, yeah, when we maintain them on the ground, we obviously need to still be able to turn on the aircraft and perform maintenance ground runs and make sure that the systems do work. Even though they are bunged up out in the middle of the desert, they still require the same maintenance, if not more, servicing because they're actually not moving and exercising their components. So it's actually equally as much work as it would be if they're flying. So it's important that we do still keep in mind and we do still have the engineers maintaining the aircraft. So we still have been working quite a lot during the COVID period. Would you feel comfortable and confident jumping on those first planes that have come out of mothballs and put back in service? Yeah, so what you need to keep in mind is those first aircraft that when they do come out of the desert, they're not actually passenger flights. They do actually go for test flights before the passengers do get on. So yeah, I would have no problem getting on those planes because at the end of the day, they've been checked and they're certified and they're safe. Leif Mawson is Technical Training Manager also at Aviation Australia. Leif, I keep hearing stories about rattlesnakes in California and Qantas engineers having to use a wheel whacker out at Alice Springs to keep snakes and other critters out of the wheels. Could we be facing a real snakes on a plane scenario with them having sat out in the desert for a bit now? It is true that airlines have been storing aircraft in the desert locations to maintain the condition of their assets at the end of the day. They don't want them to fatigue. So there are a lot stored in the desert, like you said, Alice Springs and the Mojave. And yes, there are different types of wildlife that call those locations home. But maintenance personnel that are located in those destinations, they've got a lot of periodic checks to conduct that are put in place to detect any, I suppose, stowaways, if you like. It's unlikely that they will have animals get on board due to a number of factors. They put a lot of storage equipment in place. There's lots of covers, blanking caps, special tapes, other protection devices fitted in and around and under the aircraft to make sure the likelihood of animals getting on board is pretty minimal. But in the unlikely event that an unwanted passenger did sneak on board, it would really struggle to survive the harsh atmospheric conditions on the test flights that aircraft usually have when they leave those destinations. So in short, very, very unlikely. Thank God for that. I know that when airlines were first looking for space to store all of their planes when the pandemic hit, that some are in different areas, some are at major airports, some are at places like we've just mentioned out in the desert. I'm presuming that there are a lot of costs that go along with that and airport's not just going to allow you to leave your plane there for an extended period of time without that attracting some kind of cost. Is it expensive to ground a plane for a long period of time? Yes, it can be. The costs do vary from location to location. So the major airports, so Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne and the other majors around the country, it is expensive to park aircraft on site there. 
talking about the storage in the deserts being good for the condition of the aircraft. It's also better for the cost as well because those locations are in remote environments where the land is less expensive so the rentals to park your aircraft are are cheaper as well. So some airlines do park some aircraft at the major ports which you would have seen at like Sydney International for example. The airline will negotiate different fees depending on how many aircraft they've got but it can be in the hundreds of dollars per day per aircraft depending on who the provider is so it adds up very quickly. Leif, will some of those planes that were grounded never make it back into service? That is possible, yes. One of the major reasons why aircraft don't return to service these days, especially coming out of the pandemic period of time, is the operating cost of the aircraft type. So you would have heard a lot of media coverage about the A380s and 747s being retired worldwide. As most people know, they have four main engines on board. So Those aircraft tend to be less fuel efficient than the newer twin-engine aircraft, such as the Boeing 787 and the Airbus A350. So older aircraft, they do retire them because the fuel burn's quite expensive and the maintenance costs also get up. It's just like an old car. The older a vehicle gets, your maintenance costs tend to increase over time. So one of the other things is aircraft often are converted to freight carriers in a second life. But because that market's so saturated now, there's a lot of older aircraft that won't make it to that stage because the prices that you can attract for a second-hand aircraft are less than they used to be. Now, there's obviously some concerns for people who are jumping on those first flights. I know you said there are test flights already happening to make sure that, you know, some kinks are worked out before passengers get on board. But, for example, the EU Aviation Safety Agency has been reporting issues with contaminated data systems because obviously sensors that have been sitting dormant on a bit of tarmac somewhere might have, you know, build up on things, etc., which you don't find out until later on once it's in the air. Just how safe are the planes that we're getting back on right now? Oh, look, they're very safe. All aircraft have a lot of redundancies built in to minimise the risk of anything dangerous occurring. In addition to that, though, every task that maintenance personnel carry out when they're performing maintenance and servicing of an aircraft require multiple inspections, checks, tests prior to any flight occurring. The maintenance personnel, they also follow really strict guidance from the aircraft manufacturer. You can't deviate from those instructions. So, again, that's another limiting factor in the potential of an error occurring. So, even After all of that taking place, aircraft that have been stored for long periods of time will inevitably have test flights carried out. So by the time a passenger actually boards that aeroplane, I would say it's very safe to fly. Professor Ron Barch is a world-leading expert in aviation law and aviation safety who established aviation consultancy services in 1986 and conducted assignments across five continents and over 30 countries. He says he's actually more worried about the human element than the mechanical one. The aircraft that are going to be brought back into service have to have trained professional licensed aircraft maintenance engineers and they've got to be knowledgeable for each aircraft type. So it's quite a complex process to keep the aircraft. It's not a matter of just kicking the tyres and then saying, hey, let's go flying again. It's a very calculated and documented process that the airlines 
and the maintenance staff have to go through. But that really isn't the aspect that really concerns me. It really concerns me more about pilots that have been flying for maybe 20, 30 years. They jump back into the flight deck and the cockpit of the aircraft. That is the human factor side of things in getting the industry going again. So you think the planes themselves are going to be fine? It might be those driving them that need to brush up on their skills a bit. Yeah, look, I did some studies of agricultural pilots in Australia and agricultural pilots that do the crop dusting and that typically fly very, very busy for about six months of the year and then they take a break and then they come back. And what I found in the study was there was very high incidence of fatality accidents for the more experienced pilots when they came back. So they probably had all the experience that everything seemed familiar when they get back in the flight deck after six months, but their skills may be a little bit slower and their response times might be a little bit longer. And it was those pilots with incredible amount of experience that suffered a higher grade of fatal accidents. So not that I'm suggesting there are going to be fatal accidents there. All I'm saying is that this is an unprecedented event We've had 18 months, almost two years of some of these pilots not flying. They've got to do their recurrent flying and all that. But the difficulty is if the borders open very quickly, it's a matter of getting all that training and getting people up to speed again to be able to handle the increased demand as it returns. For tens of thousands of airline staff who've been stood down for nearly two years, November 1 was a very important day. We're getting more aircraft back in the air. We're starting more international operations. And very importantly, we're getting more of our people back to work. We're all here today pinching ourselves, being like, well, okay, this is a reality. We're all finally going to get back to work. But it's not just the staff who are keen to get back into the sky. Frequent flyers of all kinds have been going into a booking frenzy since Australia's international border reopened, with Qantas reporting one passenger booking 38 flights in just a 24-hour period. And they weren't alone. The surge in demand has been so extreme, Qantas announced they've dusted off their flagship A380 aircraft ahead of schedule. Earlier this month, Chief Executive Alan Joyce told the airline's annual general meeting that they would need to accelerate the return of the Super Jumbos after putting them in deep storage at Los Angeles's LAX airport early in the pandemic, with the intention to leave them there until late 2023. If you are still separated from a loved one due to border closures, the slow-motion montages of people reuniting after the first flights took off earlier this month might almost be a bit too much. But behind the emotion of resuming our pre-pandemic lives, an army of specialised aircraft mechanics have worked around the clock to make sure your flight is a safe one. So sit back, relax, let us take great care of you and thank you for flying with Qantas, the spirit of Australia. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you are a fan of The Quickie, we'd love it if you could take a moment to vote for us in the listener's choice at the Australian Podcast Awards. Voting closes on Sunday, November 28, and you can find a link to cast your vote in the show notes.
Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.